When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on forced family t-shirts, congratulations cards and where to send them, thank you notes for engagement gifts, and repairing relationships with in-laws. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we talk about flower girls not being invited to the reception. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on awkward moments that we can all relate to, courtesy of BuzzFeed.com. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And by the time this show airs, we're going to be like two weeks away from Halloween, but it technically is our recording to catch up on Halloween. So sorry to drag everybody back, but... No apologies necessary. Yeah. Halloween's such a great holiday. It is, but this year we were in a torrential downpour in my busy Burlington neighborhood. I had like five to seven trick-or-treaters. Flood warnings, high wind warnings, and they weren't joking. It actually all it came. It happened. Like, people were looking outside going, whoa, you know, like my basement started leaking like things flooding like things like that were going on and these kids were just trying to get out and get some candy it also left adults with very large bowls oh, of candy oh, that i i promptly put in our, our new office space we've once again moved offices at the emily post institute but we keep jumping around the same building we do and i just i was like okay we don't come here but once a week i'm gonna leave all of the snickers and milky ways and all these things there <laughs> well i know where i'm going this afternoon yeah, well, i was thinking of when you used to to keep all the leftover Halloween candy in your desk drawer. I was like, I wish Dan still had that like candy deposit drawer. <laughs> okay, so I have such a typical parent story. Yeah. I was really excited about Halloween. Of course. We'd been planning a costume with Anisha for months. And what was Is she? not an exaggeration. She wanted to be a witch. We had lots of options. Okay, I was going to say, and that takes months to plan? <laughs> Her mother did a professional job on the costume (laughs) there was a pointy hat there was a layered dress i took care of the broomstick okay um what else and then there was a last minute change we just had to be a princess whoa but we also had multiple halloween parties so we we tried different costumes out different times dad was really excited why because it's Halloween and I wanted to go trick-or-treating. It's cute to dress them all up. And the four-month-old got to wear the bee costume. Oh, oh, oh. You know the one? Oh, the little bumble. And then we just got poured on. And <laughs> Everyone was soaked. The little point on the hat was like pointed down. <laughs> and I want to paint a picture. The umbrellas in the trunk of the car were too small. They weren't the big golf umbrellas. They were like the little travel umbrellas. So we had two small umbrellas. For four people. So we're like huddling under these tiny umbrellas and just get... 
And Anisha just wanted to go back to the car after three houses. She got a Tootsie Pop. She got it in her mouth. And that was it. I'm done. I'm happy. I have candy and sugar. We're good. (laughs) Dad, don't you want to keep going? Shouldn't we just... There, it's right there, the next house. But we haven't visited the so-and-sos yet. (laughs) No, and there was a house at the end of the street. There was a daycare family. They had a garage with hot chili and adult beverages. And my brother was texting me, you have to make it to the end of the street. (laughs) We didn't make it. Oh, man. It was still fun. It was still fun. That's really good. My nephew didn't. I think he just put on his little monster sweatshirt that he had last year. He didn't. He's two. And so they didn't take him trick or treating or anything. But and it was pouring rain. But I was impressed. A lot of the kids that came by, you know, they said trick. or Some of the little ones still don't quite know what to do. And so they open the door and it's this like you're waiting and they're like. I don't know. But I was really impressed with how many kids did say please and thank you. We practiced. You know, and it was it was really cute. And a lot of the adults, you know, said please and thank you as well. And I only got one teenager not dressed up at all with just a, you know, a, a sack asking for candy. And I was like, I was like, come on. Just a little effort. Just <laughs> a little like, effort. I was like, here you go. But, you know, at least like, you know, tape a piece of paper or like a sign to you that says I'm a this. <laughs> like, you know, but it was kind of a sad, quiet Halloween. <laughs> it wasn't as wet last year, but it was pretty wet last year also. and. There's now talk in the parent circles. Are we ever going to get a dry, (laughs) perfect autumn, fall, Halloween? Fingers crossed. There's always next year. There's always next year. And until then, there are always etiquette questions. (laughs) Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. We'll answer your question from a smaller pool on the sustaining member site where you can access all the bonus questions as well as an ad-free version of the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Forced Family T-Shirts. I bet you can guess where this is going. (laughs) Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks for such a great show. I'm excited to listen each Monday. I just finished reading Higher Etiquette. Oh, yay! Thank you so much. And learned so much. Thank you for such an informative and useful book. And so pretty it is. We were talking about that just the other day. It's a really pretty book. Question. My family has been told for the second year that we're hosting the yearly extended family get-together. This is fine, and we are certainly logical hosts, given various other family members' locations and houses. Some people will be staying with us, and everyone else will generally be here a lot. Meals, hanging out, over the four days. I'm cool with that. One of the family members last year, on their own initiative, had t-shirts printed for everyone that referenced a specific family sport event that was planned. This family member clearly does enjoy commemorative shirts and items from charity runs, etc. I think a picture was taken with some family members in their shirts, but they didn't all fit and they didn't match the weather, etc. I didn't go to the sport event because it wasn't a thing I usually enjoy and I needed to cook for everyone. This year, we all got a message from this family member. Quote, I'm having shirts made again. Cousin T updated the design. It would be great if you could send me X amount of dollars to help pay for the item. Is there any way to gracefully decline without looking like a cheapskate and a spoil sport? I don't want the shirt. It's not my style. I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to be at the event the shirt references again this year because I don't want to go and it's always the same day as the big meal and that I feel responsible for as the host. I love my family, but I don't feel the need to have matching items. If it had been phrased as a choice, if you want a shirt, send me money, (laughs) I would find it easy to say no thanks. Or if they just want to spend their money to get them for everyone because it was really meaningful to them, I would of course just say thank you and try to wear it while they were here, even though I would find the gift uncomfortable given this person's tales of money woes. My spouse already decided that sending money was the easiest to keep the peace this year, but I would love ideas for this if it comes up again, or any similar situation where someone tells you you're receiving a quote-unquote gift and then ask you to help pay for it. Thanks, Awesome Etiquette, Tracy. Tracy, I have to start by saying I'm a little bit jealous about a giant family reunion that has dorky t-shirts made. I know. It's really fun. My other side of the family does these, and we have a coming up in June. 
they're really, really, really fun. <laughs> and like we have coveted like our T-shirts from the 80s when we did like the 100th anniversary of our property. Like It was it was like a thing. It's a thing. And it was a fun thing. I've never had one. I've seen the families in the airports where they're clearly all coming or going from this event because they're all wearing their matching T-shirts. And as a teenager, I would have been mortified. I would have wanted to be as far from that group as I possibly could, that self-identified t-shirt wearing group as I possibly could have been. And now I just want to be part of something that dorky. It's really funny because our family, and not to make this all about our family, we will answer Tracy's question, but our post side of the family, we like, we use like weddings and big events like that as our get together time. And we had Jill's last year. So I feel like everyone's like set and I'm the only one left. So we're, you know what I mean? It's like, but I feel like if we tried to inst- like in- institute this at the, at the Emily Post family, at our post side of the family, that it would be like, guys, really, like, another trip that we all have to eat up our vacate? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you know, even though we all would like the idea, we would also be like, no, <laughs> like, we don't want to do this. <laughs> Whereas the other side of the family, it's like everyone's, like, on it and ready and it's so exciting and fun. And it's just so funny how different families have kind of different personal styles of celebrating And then we get to the crux of this issue that within those families, there's then different styles of celebrating. And Tracy would clearly like to just celebrate the Thanksgiving weekend by by providing that great meal and that great hosting experience for people. I can really get behind that because it is just money and family harmony is priceless. (laughs) Yes, it really, really is. I don't want to ignore the question because it's a good question. Is there a way that I could reply to something like this, particularly if I see it coming again and again and again, or if I just want a good answer to this because I want to feel good about my participation and I'm doing a lot. I'm investing a lot of time and probably resources in this. So there was a part of me that when I read this, it was like it was feeling for that, like something kind of getting dumped on you, you know, like, uh oh, you know, that moment where you're like, oh, if you just hadn't asked me to pay for it, if you'd asked a little differently, this would be so much easier. And I, I want to respect that and, and also respect the fact that it makes me want to come up with something that's kind of like eye for eye on it. And so the only thing I came up for that was you could respond something like, oh, thanks for including me or us, you know, you and your spouse. We've still got our shirts from last year, so we're all set. Even though he's referenced that there's a new design and you could say, when we're ready to re-up, we'll let you know and, and jump in you know, that year. And I thought that would be a way of just kind of like turning the table a little bit. But we don't really like to do that to people in etiquette. It's not like a, ha, you throw this on me, I'll throw this on you. You like, watch me get creative, you know. (laughs) But the part of your answer that I like is the sort of playful good spirit of it. Because that's the spirit that these shirts are being made in. That's true. So to respond with too much angst about it, doesn't feel like it's emotionally coherent. I agree with that, too. I think if you tried to respond to this with, boy, Uncle G, I, I really wanted to talk to you because this is, it's really a big deal when you, you ask somebody to pay for something that they haven't agreed to and it's tied to an event. If you explain it all out to him, it starts to really suck the fun out of what 
Uncle G, who I've now just anonymously named this person, is trying to do. But I also feel the imposition and the the annoyance. And we do have a culture where um, a lot of us are in a space of of trying to minimize the amount of stuff that we come in. I mean, Marie Kondo, <laughs> that the, the Kondo phenomenon <laughs> has just made people really comfortable with getting rid of things. And uh, environmental reasons, people are really concerned about accumulating a lot more. And so you can see where all of a sudden there's actually a really good etiquette space to find good language for declining participation in events or, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else you would call them, but just events for any type of gathering where you're accumulating a lot of stuff. I think about the trade shows that we go to where, oh my gosh, the amount of little dinky things that you get at those. And some people are thrilled to collect them and other people think of them as cumbersome junk. And so we do really have these two mindsets now in our culture and balancing them is a little bit more than just, oh, take the shirt this year and every year and then just get rid of it or, you know, or the other way, speak up harshly against it or, or really put up a firm. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gesturing with like a, a you know, hand I'll take out the, the virtual stiff arm here. Yeah, the stiff arm. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So when I think about the mechanics of that decline, yeah, I'm thinking about things like being very specific and being very candid. So... I'm not going to participate this year. Thank you for doing this for everyone. Putting else. this together for everyone. Yeah. Exactly. So you appreciate their effort and you decline. And yeah. that's that's enough. If you're doing so. it ahead of time, you can head it off a little bit. You could let someone know I'm all set on t-shirts this year. <laughs> I've got a lot going on as I plan for the big meal. Thanks for thinking of me or if you have heard that it's happening and you're able to to send that message ahead of that. Or if you're thinking about something like this, know that I'm going to be opting out this year. And I think that sort of advance notice might also be advisable. And again, it doesn't need to be a big deal. You don't need to get into all of the reasons and the differing philosophies or all <laughs> yeah. of the longer explanations and reasons why you'd rather not participate. I do think, though, that one of the ways you can finesse this response of just saying, oh, thanks, the two of us aren't going to be in it this year, but thanks so much for doing this for everyone else. I thought one way to really encourage that you do think it's a good thing that this uncle is doing this for everyone is to offer to take a picture of everybody, offer to make sure that a photo gets taken of everyone who participates in the game wearing their game day shirts. You know what I mean? And that that might be a way to show him that you're you're really for it. It's just not for you. I think underneath our whole discussion is the awareness that because there was an initial etiquette faux pas, i.e. someone's made a decision and then they're asking for money after they've made that decision and you haven't been given an opportunity to participate in that decision making, you're kind of in the clear. You're off the hook in terms of an obligation to respond in the affirmative. I like that you said well, yeah. for this occasion, I'm just going to do it because it's easier. But there is a an allowance that you get because not every mark has been hit up to this point. <laughs> are you are you suggesting, Dan, that when someone is rude to you, you can be rude back? No. no. Okay. And that becomes the trick. How yeah. you are able to to wrap your no reply in, in a package that doesn't say, eh, eh, I'm saying no because you were just rude to me. Right. And as long as you haven't done that, you're in pretty good etiquette shape here. Tracy, we hope this helps and we hope your family has an awesome time this Thanksgiving weekend. 
Well, the purpose of a party is to have fun together. But what else makes a good party? It's the skill of the hosts and the skill of the guests in making the party fun for everyone. And if some guests forget this, well, anyone, even another guest, can help get the entire group together again. Our next question is about a card disaster. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm a new listener to the podcast and have been enjoying it immensely. This past week, I've had a card mailing question come up. Here is the background. I've been working at my current job for a year. Last week, a woman in my section announced that after nearly 20 years in the same position, she has accepted a new job elsewhere and will be staying on for one more week at our institution. She declined a retirement party, but over the weekend, I did purchase and write her a congratulations card. We have not worked together closely. I'm still fairly new, but she has always been kind, generous, and thoughtful towards me. I plan to leave the card on her desk Monday morning. However, on Monday, a natural disaster very close to our institution occurred, and we have been ordered to stay home all week because the institution is being used as a base for emergency personnel. This means that we will miss her last day. And this brings me to my question. What do I do with the card? I do know which institution she is going to, so I thought of readdressing it, adding an extra note to say, Hi, I wanted to give this to you in person, but couldn't, so I'm mailing it to you instead, and then sending it off after I know she's started. Is this a good idea, or will it be awkward? I don't want her to have my personal address, so I would put my work address for the return. Is that even more awkward? I am conflicted, because I think 20 years of service should be acknowledged, and I don't want my effort to be in vain, but I don't want to create a strange situation for her at her new job. I would never have guessed that natural disasters could make a simple congratulations card so stressful. Mm. Lizzie and Dan, thank you for all the hard work you do to continue your family legacy of teaching the importance of consideration, respect, and honesty. In our digital age, they are more needed now than ever. Thank you so much in advance for any advice you are able to offer. Sincerely, disastrous card writer. What a great question. And I get the disaster, the, the yeah. particular issue yes. is in a disaster, but, but there's there a, a disaster, disaster in play here. Totally. And we hope that everything on that front is um, working out as best it can. I like the idea of sending it to this former coworker's work, but I also get that you're worried that this might not be appropriate. Not knowing the industry that you work in or the field of work that you're in, it's a little tough. But given the circumstances, I think this is going to be fine. It's, I mean, we have stuff show up at the Emily Post Institute all the time. You know what I mean? I've certainly had it be the case where if someone didn't have my home address or chose not to reach out to me specifically to get it, that they used the the office address to send me something that's probably more personal in nature. And, and I understand this is a new job and it's like, it's it's a little bit strange. I think as long as she has made it clear to you that she's going to this new institution, that she hasn't kept her new place of work secret, if you didn't find that out, like, you know, by seeking it out, you know, on the side, I think that it's okay for you to send something there. If she wasn't trying to hide where she's moving on to, then I think I think you're in good stead. I also think it's perfectly fine for you to put your work address in this. This was a business colleague. This is a business colleague has moved to a new business. I kind of just think there's nothing wrong with keeping it all in the business sector. Even though the note is slightly personal in nature, it's Definitely personal professional. It's yes, a very congratulatory much so. note about a professional achievement, accomplishment, milestone. So you're in pretty good shape here. 
disastrous card writer. We hope that this small piece of advice helps in a difficult time. Is there some particular method of being thoughtful that works every time? Yes, everywhere you go, people talk about thoughtfulness. If we watch carefully, we'll see just what thoughtfulness is. Our next question is entitled Engagement Gifts. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm newly engaged. Yay! And some of our generous friends and family have been so kind as to send gifts to congratulate us on our engagement. I'm wondering whether I can convey my thanks in the same way I typically would for a birthday or holiday gift, or if because this is wedding adjacent, I need to respond in a more formal way. I know that sending thank you cards is a must for wedding and wedding shower gifts. Typically, when I receive gifts, while I love sending thank you cards, I tend to send them to people I have a more formal or less close relationship with and respond with less formality to close friends and family, thanking them with an excited call or text. What is the appropriate response for engagement gifts that we receive? P.S. If we had an engagement party where we received gifts, I would definitely send thank you notes. But receiving a gift in the mail feels like it might be a different situation. Curious to know your thoughts. I love this question. Me too. So I want to give um, awards to Anonymous for the term wedding adjacent event. I like that too. I love it. And (laughs) does a wedding adjacent event kind of skew our formality needle a little more towards the form? My immediate answer is if you have a feeling like that's happening, yes, (laughs) because that will give your wedding a more formal feel. If you start to treat it as a more formal event or experience, if you feel, and I'm going to say it in your heart, (laughs) that needle pulling towards I want to formalize these relationships, experiences and moments in ways that make them stand out or feel memorable to me and to the other people involved – Go for it. Indulge those feelings. Indulge that sentiment, that inclination. And I think you'll be rewarded big picture in the long run. I think so, too. I think that sending a note is the right thing to do. I think the occasion warrants it. And I think that it's you, – you mentioned you love writing notes. This isn't like a – you know, this isn't something that sounds like an arduous, awful, you know, task. And so I think that it is really nice when this is an extra special moment in your life. And the engagement period is a special moment, just like the wedding itself is a special moment and then the marriage is a special thing. It's a different time in your life. It's different from just being in a couple, you know. It's, it's a couple who's going to get married. I think that these people are saying this is a moment worth celebrating. I think the response should be this is a moment worth worth writing a thank you note for. I get what you mean, though, because I, I do a very similar thing where with close friends and family, I often do call or text you. It almost gets more personal when you have that direct oh my gosh, I just opened the thing that you sent me and it's so cool. And the person on the other line is going, we're just so excited about your wedding. Like, that's a wonderful phone call. And I know my cousin well enough to know about this feeling that she has about the personal quality to that that more informal thanks, that it's in many ways the gold standard. And it's why I was a little surprised when I saw in all bold in your show notes, or not all bold, but all caps, send, send a, a note. note. <laughs> and, and I was wondering how those two things were playing in your mind. Yeah, they were playing at the space of um, 
because we do this familiar thanking so often with people who we've kind of just agreed we don't need to write thank you notes to, you know, that a phone call would be more welcome. You've heard me mention on the show for years that my godmother actually instructed me to not write her thank you notes anymore. Because she wanted she to wanted get that call. She wanted the phone call. She wanted the text message. She wanted the personal moment of connection with me. And not that the note didn't, but she gets to talk a bit with me if we do it via text or via phone. And I I love that. And it was great. So I don't want to diminish how important that is. But you have this regular group of people that you do this with, you know, that it's okay to be in this familiar good zone with. And I think it's really nice every now and again, just like couples who have fabulous dinners every single night decide to go out for dinner on a date night. Think of this as like your date night thank you note with the people who are close in your life. Like you write it because they're making you feel extra special celebrating an event in your life. You make them feel extra special by writing that note, taking it up a notch for this as opposed to to not. And it doesn't mean you can't do the other. When your (laughs) nephew, Danny, calls his uncle, Peter, Mr. Post at work every once in a while, it's nice to have those options, those formal options to take a relationship and, and broaden the possibilities within it. And this is one of those special moments. I also wanted to respond to the specific question about whether it's a party versus receiving the gift in the mail because I thought it was really interesting that the event of the party made it feel more like a wedding event to the question asker, I'm guessing. So it was inspiring this idea that I should respond with a note, whereas if something was mailed, it felt more one-on-one and maybe more personal so I wouldn't be as likely to send a note. And I just wanted to put out the baseline idea that we often say you send a thank you note if you haven't had the opportunity to thank someone in person. And even though that mail exchange is a Mm one-on-one personal exchange from them directly to you, that you haven't had that same opportunity to look them in the eye, smile, thank them, whatever it is, give them a hug, tell them how much you appreciate it. So in many ways, you want to keep that thank you note writing option right at the front of your mind when you receive a gift in the mail. It's oftentimes one of those great opportunities to jot down a quick note, to let someone know it arrived and that you appreciated it. I can't help talking about thank you notes and just bringing up the idea that the the parties where gifts are opened at the party and you do have a chance to thank the giver, obviously that goes right to that most amazing thank you that Emily always described, which is the in-person thank you being so highly valued. The reason why we suggest to write notes even after that type of party is because so much happens at that party. And it's like it's like a whirlwind of congratulations and celebration and everything that taking a moment afterwards to reflect on how wonderful that is and how grateful you are to have people in your life who celebrate you in such a way is wonderful. That's the only way I can describe it. It's it's not like your family will disown you if you don't do the thank you note afterwards or that somehow this in-person thank you at a party like this isn't enough. It's more celebrating how wonderful it is through reflection and through the expression of gratitude. And so I, I try to look at it that way. And again, if you open the gifts at the party or not, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you, you make sure that that thanks is extended afterwards. And we just simply carry that through when you get the gift in the mail instead, that you really want to find that way to make that connection. And this note at this time just makes it a little more special.
Anonymous, we're so glad that you found the show and that it's been helpful. And we want to add our congratulations to the chorus. Congratulations! You know, Nora, that's not bad at all. With a little practice, you'll be a wizard writing letters. Thanks, Walter. You know, writing letters is just a talent. Some people are born with it, some aren't. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated my help. Our next question is titled, In-Laws and Instagram. It's a doozy. This is a tricky one. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast. It's fun following your stories and learning little bits of practical etiquette. I've shared your show with many friends and even referenced pointers during our bi-weekly staff meetings. My issue. I have just one brother, two years my senior. He and his wife have been together over 10 years, like my spouse and I. My mom loves her grandkids and has historically been close with her daughter-in-law. They live closer to my folks than we do and often see each other. About a year ago, my mom made a comment that unintentionally hurt my sister-in-law. She tried to make amends, but the tension is thick, noticeable to others. Here's the question. Several months ago, my aunt brought up a post my sister-in-law made on Instagram. My mom, being a late adopter, decided to install Instagram and searched for my sister-in-law. She couldn't find her anywhere. So now my mom's sisters are connected, and finally I am. Yet it appears that my sister-in-law has intentionally blocked my mom. And it's not very secret since she does interact with her husband's aunts. My mom's feelings are hurt, and she just wants the relationship back, but this seems to make it clear that her daughter-in-law is purposefully distancing herself. Should my mom approach her? Script ideas? It's definitely deeper than the Instagram, and I feel the more time lapses, the harder it gets. Your input is definitely appreciated. Signed, Disheartened Daughter. Oh, Disheartened Daughter, we're so sorry that this is happening within your family. Whenever there's there's tension between two people and there have been repairs that have been tried to be made, but we actually don't know how well those repairs efforts went. Um, clearly not well enough to repair the situation and make the sister-in-law slash daughter-in-law feel better. I am curious as to whether or not mom could reflect on the attempt that she made to make amends and see if it maybe focused too much on defense, maybe it didn't try to explain something in the right way. Oftentimes when an attempt at a reconcile doesn't go well, I find it's best, especially as the offending party, to say, I would really love the chance to listen to how this all affected you because clearly it is it's it still hurts enough that we aren't close the way we used to be and I would like to find out how to make that better and that's the kind of thing that it it just it gets at the heart of it what your mom really wants is her relationship back with her daughter-in-law and it's literally sometimes just saying let me know what we can do talk to me about how it hurt or why it hurts so that I can help make it better and that's, I think, one of the only places you can go in this type of circumstance. I would not bring up the Instagram thing at all. I tried to find you on Instagram and I'm blocked and da 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 da. No, 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 no. Dan's giving it the thumbs out. Get him out of there. Like, that's not the conversation you want to be having. So my instinct is really try to do the the reflection of, okay, first attempt didn't go well. Let me open it up. This person's hurting. I also think talking to your son might help. Finding out if he has an inside edge. I mean, we know that it's always best when two people can resolve a conflict themselves directly. 
if daughter-in-law isn't willing to do that right now, talking to son to at least find out what's going on. Dan and I do this with each other and through our family members at times just because it's sometimes it is easier to get a little perspective before entering a situation. And it might help. He might be the necessary go-between for a moment or two. Lizzie Post, you just climbed the etiquette ladder that I was thinking about as I was hearing this question. (laughs) I couldn't agree more about looking for the heart of this issue and trying to address it. And I like your starting off point of as the offending party, that means the onus is on you. If that initial apology didn't have the desired impact, and and at first I was thinking rise to the level that it needed to based on how the offense was experienced by someone but you don't even might have done that though (laughs) yeah but for whatever reason it didn't land and i think your first best option is to circle back and really try to get to the heart of that and i loved your idea of asking someone how it impacted them saying essentially clearly what my perspective on it wasn't enough what i brought to the equation didn't equal out a balance didn't restore a balance to this relationship so I, i i'd like to hear more from you because I care about you, because I care about this relationship and I'm invested in repairing it if possible or making it better. I just I, I know I, I'm with you. I'm with I think you. it's so good. I think that's where it has to go. And I was just sitting there listening to you talk about it with a furrowed brow and a feeling of concern that I was sure was on my face. It's why I said out the door when you brought up the Instagram, because that's not the, the heart of the problem. And here. Instagram is not the heart of the problem. It's just showing us they're really true. I mean, aside from uh, Disheartened daughter mentioned that other people notice this tension between these two, so it's it's very clearly still there. I think there is another possibility here, and it's worth mentioning. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I like your idea of talking to your son if you're the mother, your brother if you're the sister, trying to get a sense for the state of play here, what's going on, is that sometimes someone is also holding on to a grudge or a hurt or a slight in a way that's not healthy Correct. where there might be some responsibility on that side of this equation as well and someone who can deliver a message of i know you're hurt this is a really important relationship this is about grandma and her grandkids as well as your feelings and i think it's important to do some work to repair this relationship and starting to figure out whether there's an appropriate course of action that involves that person also taking some responsibility for repairing this relationship might involve that larger constellation of family members. It's funny. That's not where I thought you were going to go with that. I thought you were going to say that talking to the brother or the son, depending on whose perspective we're looking at it from, might result in getting the answer of, Sometimes people just need more time and, you know, my wife just needs more time. She doesn't get over things quickly or it hurts so bad that it is it's taking a lot for her to move beyond this. And she just needs time and space. And time and space for some people is three weeks. For other people, it's five years. And it is so hard in our lives to help others understand that the five-year path is is painful and long and tough and usually unnecessary. But at the same time, trying to get someone else to rush through their emotions, get over something faster. I mean, I've, I've had a therapist for 11 or 12 years now. And let me just tell you, we're still talking about some of the same things. Some things are things you will battle your whole life. My hope is that that's not the case with whatever it is that, that happened between these two, whatever that unintentional comment was. We're talking about one moment, it seems like. And that's why I, I like 
the idea of kind of pushing this a little bit, at least trying to investigate a little bit more and reopen the topic of trying to find forgiveness here, find balance again here. I would so much rather stew in my own juices than talk about a problem. So I also kind of appreciate... Dance, you, you know, you totally are that guy. <laughs> the, the, the willingness to engage a little bit to hopefully That's accelerate funny. that process yeah. a little bit. Yeah, totally. Disheartened daughter, we hope that our advice can help with some gentle steps forward towards repairing this very important relationship. It's worthwhile to know many ways to settle disputes. Thank you for your questions. You can send us updates, comments, feedback on our answers, or your next question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. And on Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question, comment, or feedback on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Heather in Chicago. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is Heather from Chicago, and I uh, love your show so much. So thank you for that. Um, I was just listening to episode 264 about the seat up, seat down when you in the bathroom. And I thought I'd share um, in my home growing up, we always had seat down being mostly girls. But when I became an adult, I discovered that when you flush the toilet, the tiny particles of grossness can go up to as far as six feet and even sometimes further. And so ever since I found that out in my home, now we always flush with the lid down. So it's not just about, you know, there's more girls or more boys in the house. It's more about being sanitary. So I thought I would share that and love, love, love your show so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Heather, I want you to know that we just had to take a minor break from recording in order to both geek out on how much we actually know of the study that you're talking about and how we we just literally spent a good three minutes talking about different toilets and situations we know where because they don't have lids or because they have automatic flushers or because they have really strong flushes, that this is going on all the time. And it's so much worse than having to just put a toilet seat up or down. The toilets that flush before you've actually like gotten out of the space or lifted yourself from the seat. I mean, come on. The, you add that to this fact and boom, you're gross. You're gross. <laughs> um, I think that the lid down is the best way to go. I really, really do. My big question, though, is this this question comes from episode 264 and the circumstances they were in were office toilets. And in more commercial spaces, as opposed to residential spaces, we often have toilets without lids. There are no lids to put down. It's often just the seat. And so what do you do? And there's, there isn't much you can do other than choosing to bring your own sani wipe and do it, which nobody really wants to be doing that does happen. But we are hitting the grossness tolerance level probably of the show. And I really want to appreciate our listeners for bearing through it. But um, it's a great point. I think your solution is a fabulous solution. We have, we have said it before on the show that if everybody puts the lid down, everybody's lifting something up. And things are staying clean. <laughs> things are staying clean. If there is a lid, this would in some ways 
pave the way for kind of a new default because as you finish up, you close everything down to flush and clear and everyone starts fresh. I kind of don't mind it. I like that. Heather, your feedback is going into my top five of all time. (laughs) I really appreciated um, the thinking here and we appreciate all the feedback we've received on this question. It's not quite Pizza. Splitting pizza toppings level or accessible uh, stall level. Those were the, those are so far our two biggest responses. But this is definitely climbing the charts. So there. thank you for your input and thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about awkward conversations. There really fun piece in BuzzFeed recently that I just laughed at. And immediately when I was reading it, I thought, oh my gosh, our listeners like write in with moments like this. And there are often moments where you actually all, you all instinctively know there's not much you can do but cringe and say sorry or just let it go and, you know, remember for next time. But they're also really common, everyday, easy, the wrong word comes out of your mouth, the wrong gesture gets made. You know, it's it's amazing how much we can have happen to us in a day that is so unintentionally awkward. And they can be deliciously funny, too. So we thought that we would read a few of them from the article on BuzzFeed, which we will share on our social media accounts. The first awkward conversation happened in the elevator. The elevator doors opened up and a guy walked into the elevator. It was just me and him in there. And he said, I love you. And I'm not rude. So I said, I love you, too. He gave me a weird look and pointed at his Bluetooth. (laughs) Number two is about a food truck convo. So I'm at a food truck and this guy walks up and says, I'll have my usual. And the guy working says, I don't know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. This one happened at the bank. I work at a bank and this lady came in with a hun- and this one by the way is sad and and cringeworthy. This is one of those moments where you just go, "Oh, lesson learned." I work at a bank and this lady came in with a $150,000 check and to make conversation, I was like, "Oh wow, I wish I had one of these." Then she dead pans. It's a life insurance check. I would rather have the person. Oh, so painful. I mean, that's just like Oh, it's it's that moment that reminds you, oh, that's right. Like, not everything comes from good things, even if it looks like good things. And okay, lesson learned. <laughs> the next example is about a retail situation. A guy at PacSun asked for my number while I was cashing out. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not really interested. Ha <laughs> ha. This man looks at me and goes, I meant for the rewards program. Why am I the dumbest human being alive? You're not. That is a relatively normal mistake. Yeah, I think it's really funny how, like, even even in this world where we're all so used to it, every single register we could ask for our email or our contact number or something. It's just, you know, you're in that mode. You're you're whether you're in a relationship or not. You're just thinking people are into each other and asking each other out left, right, and center, and boom. <laughs> 
This one is a cute customer service conversation. Lucas writes, I meant to say, hold on for a second and give me a minute to a customer. And it came out as, hold me for a second. Oi, what a Monday. (laughs) I'll hold you, Lucas. (laughs) Next up, we have another retail situation. Yesterday at Target, the cashier said, your receipt is in the bag. And I responded with, you too. So I've been dealing with that for the past 18 hours, but I'm slowly coming to terms with it, which is cool. (laughs) I like that he specified 18 hours. Oh, it's so funny. This cheese conversation. New developments. Apparently, my mom is not even home, and the person I hear puttering around the house is the carpet cleaning service. I've been yelling, grill me a cheese, at them for the last 20 minutes. Okay, I'm going (laughs) to... Just put on my uh, I believe this hat for a second. Okay. You would really yell that at your mother if it was your mother in the Yo, house. Yo, grill me a cheese. <laughs> Our next one is also about a sandwich. Just been down Tesco getting a sandwich and some crisps, and the lad at the checkout asked if I wanted to go for a drink. I told him I've got a fella, so was flattered, but I couldn't. He said, no, it's part of the meal deal. Never leaving the house again. <laughs> Once again, now you can feel good with the person up earlier who thought that the the asking for the number was about getting a date. (laughs) This one cracked me up because it reminded me of just how someone else's handwriting can just look so foreign to you. My teacher gave me back some papers. And on it, I thought she wrote salsa. And I asked the person next to me why the teacher wrote salsa on my paper. And the person next to me was like, um, that says a 59 out of 59, not salsa. I am so dumb. The five and the not, like, it it ends up looking the way the person wrote it, like S-A, and then the slash is the L. Great job, salsa. Salsa! (laughs) What kind of grade is that? (laughs) The fist bump combo. I like this one. (laughs) Three years ago, a cute guy I worked with wanted to give me a fist bump. I thought he was pretending to hold an invisible microphone, so I leaned forward and said hello. (laughs) Yeah! Hi. (laughs) We're going to close on this last one, but if you want to see more, and we do have to warn you, they are explicit. I would say that we've curbed some of the language and some of the topics definitely go into other territories. So just be prepared. But we will post the link. So feel free to check it out if you're willing. We'll end on this final one, which gets at that wonderful, wonderful topic of to hug or not. I am so screaming. I just hugged my dentist thinking he was going in for one, but really he was just taking off my dental bib. I don't think I can ever recover from this. He leans in and you go up and wrap your arms around him. And you're in the chair, too, so you're all laying down and stuff. Oh. The little uh, bib that they put on yeah, you is, yeah. like, crinkling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just going to take this off, but nice to talk to you. Oh, dear. It's so easy for all of us to make these simple, simple mistakes, whether it's a, a word that you mispronounce or it's a mixing of telling someone you too when they've said something to you that doesn't apply to them or whether it is it is incredibly incredibly cringeworthy we all have these embarrassing moments humor i think is the best friend of good etiquette we're all fallible and that smile on your face is such an asset lizzie thank you for finding this thank you for sharing (laughs) you're worried about not doing the right thing all right maybe so but it's it's also complicated is it 
We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Lisa. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. A big hello from Sydney, Australia. I started listening to your podcast some months ago, and it has been a constant companion in the car and on my morning walks. You guys make exercise easier. Hooray for that. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. I've just returned from a wonderful road trip where my husband and I traversed many miles across the country. In anticipation of this, I downloaded a number of different podcasts and audiobooks that I thought would appeal to his taste. Awesome Etiquette was, of course, at the top of my list, but I suspected that my very concrete-thinking husband would not necessarily find it as appealing. So had plenty of other options on hand to cater to his super-practical engineer's brain. How wrong I was. After listening to a selection of what was on offer, he declared that Awesome Etiquette was, in fact, his favorite, too. I appreciate that we, we can appeal too. to an engineer's mind. Yes! He would often stop the podcast to ask, what would you do? And on more than one occasion commented, they really do give good advice, don't they? I am simultaneously delighted and surprised to say that he has even asked for an Emily Post book on men's etiquette for Christmas. That's Peter Post's book, Essential Manners for Men. It's in its second edition, too, so it has been updated. As I've reflected further on his interest in your podcast, though, it occurred to me that perhaps I shouldn't have been quite so surprised after all. Whilst it's true that my husband might not be schooled in some of the finer points of etiquette, he does in many ways embody the principles that you so often remind us of, consideration, respect, and honesty. One lovely example of this came not long after our wedding. We were married in 2016, a little later in life than many at the age of 41. Those first few months were a happy whirlwind. Lots of laughs, but also a lot of change. I guess when you put two people together who have been very happily settled into their lives as singles for a significant period of time, there are lots of adjustments and new routines that need to be worked out. As a consequence, though, I was seeing my friends less. We talked on the phone, but I really missed that face-to-face catch-up. One particularly special group were some girls I'd gone through Bible college with. The six of us lived together for four years and have since been a constant support to one another as we've negotiated the ups and downs common to single women in their late 30s and early 40s. One day, about 12 months after we got married, my husband and I were having dinner together and he casually mentioned that he had bought tickets for us to see the Russian ballet perform live in Sydney. And by us, I mean all seven of us. He went on to explain that he knew how much my friends meant to me and wanted to make sure that I was still getting quality time with them. He also wanted the girls to know that even though our circumstances had changed, we still loved and valued them and wanted them to feel special. I thought this was such a kind and generous gesture, particularly given the fact that sitting through several hours of ballet was not exactly his idea of a good time. But he privileged the relationship over his own comfort, and for that, I think he deserves an etiquette salute. Thanks, Lizzie and Dan. We really appreciate you, Lisa. I think that's so wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to go see the Ballet Russe in about a week and a half. Are you really? I hope you enjoy it. I Did you am buy maybe going to see the Pooja same show. and all of her friends? No, and I'm feeling a little <laughs> inadequate right now. Lisa, this is such a nice salute. And thank you so much for sharing the show with your husband. And thank you for sharing your husband with all of us. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share the show with your friends, family, and coworkers wherever you cross their paths. 
You can send us questions and comments and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst, that's I-N-S-T, and I am at Lizzie A. Post, that's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also support the show by leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps other people find Awesome Etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.